When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One of the more inept performances of my 26 years. Tom Izzo's words, not mine, but it's pretty hard to disagree with them after Michigan State basketball suffers its first loss of the season, 79-65 on the road at perennial Big Ten bottom feeder Northwestern. Not exactly the way you want to start a Big Ten season, but uh, here we are. We'll discuss the disappointing loss and more on episode 15 of MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion here with Kyle Austin and Matt Wenzel on Wednesday, December 23rd, 2020. Uh, happy Festivus, guys. Are, are either of you uh, Seinfeld fans? I, I am. I got a lot of problems with you people. <laughs> uh, would, would either of you like to take the opportunity uh, more to... More curb your enthusiasm. Oh, okay. Okay. That's, like a, that's, like, a, that's like a cousin, though. You know, they're yeah. related. Yeah. W- would either of you like to take the opportunity to air any of your sports reporter or sports-related grievances? Oh man, how much time we got? No, I'm I'm just, I'm just joking. Um, no, I, I am. Uh, I had grievances in the fall when we didn't have sports, but now that we have sports, uh, I, I feel like I don't have any anymore. Anything that isn't a noon kickoff. <laughs> Anything that Other isn't a noon that, kickoff. Okay, yeah. so you have grievances against the three thirty kickoffs. Uh, yes, and more specifically the night games. But uh, you know, that's it's for the fans. So whatever. Okay. Well, yes, that is for the fans and it is good for the program to be on prime time. But uh, yeah, Matt's having a little uh, internet issue. So if he he cuts out a little bit, hopefully that'll work itself out, but uh, um, hopefully we'll figure it out. We're going to keep pressing forward. Um, Coming up on today's show, we're going to discuss the Spartans loss at Northwestern, as well as look ahead to the Spartans Christmas day showdown versus Wisconsin at the Breslin center. Uh, We've also had a lot more player news with the football team since our last pod. Uh, So we'll get into that as well. We also have some uh, listener slash reader questions. Um, If you could please like rate review this podcast, wherever you listen to it, really helpful for us. Send us uh, your questions um, on Twitter or email or however you want to, we'll be happy to answer them. Um, But Kyle, let's jump into the, the Northwestern loss. You were there in Evanston. Uh, obviously not a great performance. Uh, what are your initial takeaways from the loss? You know, it was, it was perplexing. Um, and, and Izzo, Izzo said he was confused too, because I mean, listen, you have bad games where you shoot poorly or, you know, your, your point guard has a turnover issue and, and those things happen throughout the course of a season. But what was so weird about that is it, it was like a bunch of good defenders forgot how to play defense. It was like a bunch of guys studied the scouting report for two days and then forgot everything on it. Um, you know, some of the defensive mistakes, um, and, and they didn't didn't really hustle like like a Big Ten, like a Michigan State team usually. You know, uh, um, Northwestern was able to run by right by him and transition a bunch of times. You had you know Aaron Henry closing out on non shooters, Dave Brown doing the same thing. They're making you know, pretty basic ball screen defense uh, mistakes. I mean, if you really look into the film day after, I mean, you see a lot of things happening on there that just don't usually happen to Michigan State teams. And, and Tommy Zoe afterwards was, 
was kind of at a loss, you know. Um, I mean, they had they were coming off of finals, but had a lot of time to prepare for it. It wasn't a short turnaround. Um, Northwestern is they don't do anything too special. I mean, they look good and they hit shots, but um, that was the most perplexing thing to me. And then you, you compound that with the fact that. They just missed shots on the offensive end. I mean, Rocket Watts goes, I think, two for 11, didn't score till three minutes left. Um, other guys couldn't really hit. You, you combine those two things, um, and it, it kind of compounded. But but the defensive end and, and some of the strange things that happened, happened there were, was what stood out to me the most. Yeah, I mean, the, the upperclassmen, I mean, well, not even necessarily that, but, I mean, Josh Langford follows out with six minutes left. Right. I mean, there's a couple times where he's – trying to get out to a shooter, but he's just sort of fleeing himself out of control. I mean, just uncharacteristic stuff that you're seeing from Michigan State. They shot 38% from the field, just eight for 31 from three. Um, they were they, they only uh, had the rebounding edge by one against Northwestern. I mean, these are uncharacteristic things for a, a quality, or at least what we think is a quality Michigan State team. And you could see, by the way, Tom Izzo had, um, you know, most notably Joey Hauser, Rocket Watts, and Aaron Henry on the bench with three mm-hmm. minutes left um, when, you know, the game was probably over. But, you know, when it's still uh, at least mathematically possible for them to come back, they're riding the pine, and you've got a bunch of bench guys in there. Uh, clearly one of those send-a-message moments from Tom Izzo. No, yeah, it was. I mean, it was, it was probably over, but stranger things have happened. Um, and you know, like coming back it. from 31 or whatever they did, <laughs> right? Yeah, that was that was Northwestern too a couple of years ago. That was pretty crazy, but um, no, I mean, that was I, I think his quote afterwards is I I couldn't condone what was going on out there, you know, and that was kind of his way to send a message and make make those guys watch from the end, but yeah, I mean, I think if you're Michigan State, you try to figure out what led to it, you know, um, I mean, um, and, and if there, there is something that led to it, whether it was a change in the schedule or I don't know, um, it, it was strange, but it was, it was one of those games where I feel like the last couple of years, Cassius Winston kind of, kind of is the guy that leads you out of that um, a game like that. And not, not that they won every game with Cassius Winston too. They had their losses, but they never really snapped out of it. And they'd make these, these short little runs and then still just not play defense and, and let Northwestern hit a three on the other end or, or let them go for an easy layup. So I, mm-hmm. um, I, I kind of kept waiting for somebody. I mean, it could be any one of five guys on this team, somebody to, to start playing and start doing something. And it just never happened. And, and it, you know, as you said afterwards, you know, you can have all the depth in the world, but if none of them are doing anything, it doesn't matter much. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, Aaron Henry would make like a nice move to the basket and then just blow the layup. Uh, I right. mean, they, they, Rocket Watts missed open threes. Uh, Foster Lawyer missed a couple open threes. I mean, he, he, Joey Hauser has five points. Rocket Watts, you mentioned, he scored his first basket with three minutes left. Hauser was also banged up. You know, Henry was okay, but he wasn't anywhere near where he needs to be efficiently efficiently on offense and, and he was bad defensively too when yeah he was surprisingly bad which is so uncharacteristic I mean right. we've been talking about uh, throughout the early part of the season that this could be one of Izzo's best defensive teams they didn't look anything like it in this game no they didn't and and that's what I wrote about earlier in the week is it two straight games now they've given up better than 50 percent shooting to an opponent and that only happened once all of last year in that Duke blowout. It only happened about once per season. And uh, Oakland, to me, that was more a team hitting a lot of really tough shots. Um, they didn't play good defense that, but I think Oakland really, really um, kind of made that happen. Um, Northwestern was really, I think, about Michigan State giving up uh, a lot of good shots. But, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, I mean, it is one game. Um, I, I know, Brandon, you're, you're more plugged into the uh, the Michigan State Twitterverse than me. I know some people are – 
about ready to pack in the season now and head to the NIT <laughs> if there is an NIT. Um, but it's, it's one game, um, and uh, I'll be very curious how they respond. I think everybody's going to be curious how they respond here uh, going into Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean, the question now is, is this just a blip on the radar or is this more indicative mm-hmm. of what this team is? Are they more of a, you know, top 20, 25 team or are they actually an elite contender? I mean, we're going to find that out pretty quickly with this Big Ten schedule beginning with Wisconsin on Christmas. Just a couple of things I wanted to bounce off you. You mentioned the Michigan State uh, Twitter um they're a little confused by tom Izzo's substitution patterns there was a lot of subbing going on throughout the game i mean Izzo's searching trying to find some lineup that works but Mm -hmm. one thing i've noticed thomas kithier starts again gets 18 minutes two rebounds two points julius marble played nine minutes and had two rebounds and three points uh i mean i I saw your story he said he thought kithier played what did he say okay or or pretty well no he he, kithier got praised afterwards and and that's what i was going to ask you i said of those guys like who would you think the coaches were the happiest with gay brown for sure (laughs) gay brown offensively gay brown gay brown was a minus 19 in that game which is difficult to do in a college basketball game so that'll that'll tell you a little bit about his defense but um no i mean here's the thing about kithier he, he does a lot of solid little things that a lot of people who are just casually watching don't see, and he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And I think offensively they are such that they don't need a lot of offensive production from the five spot. I mean, you've got shooters and Joey Hauser, the whole perimeter. You've got Rocket Watts. You can create his own, own bucket. Um, would it be nice if, if they could get a couple more buckets from the center spot? Sure. But I, I think what you need more from that is, is steady play. Not a lot of um, not a lot of mistakes, um, and I think that's the reason why. Um, I, do I think Julius Marble could come be an upgrade pretty soon? Yeah, I mean he's the guy that I, I still think has the best chance to kind of take over that spot. I, I'm I don't want to say I'm giving up on my my Marcus Bingham. I feel like I've been waiting for him to to bust out for a while now, but it just doesn't seem to be happening. And and I've liked what I've seen out of Julius Marble. Um, but in the meantime, I mean, I think they'll take right now a, a guy who's just going out there and giving them decent minutes and playing good defense and not screwing up. Yeah. I mean, I, we've talked about it. It's probably going to be a revolving door at center, depending on who's playing better. I think what state fans are just more concerned about is watching the game and seeing a guy like Pete Nance, you know, put up 15 and 12 from the, from the five spot for Northwestern. I mean, boo boo, he's not going to go off for 30 every night. So Northwestern obviously played a really, really quality game and they're probably improved this year. I mean, only time will tell uh, for that. I mean, there might not be an easy out in the big 10. Um, I think, I just think a guy like Pete Nance who could step out and shoot it and then also go down in the post might've exposed Mm -hmm. that five issue uh, a little bit. Um, And maybe that's kind of where the concern is coming from. That's fair. And and some of those, a lot of those came off ball screens and and some of those guys look lost on that, you know, Mm -hmm. the defense was just puzzling. I have no idea what that was. (laughs) It was, it was weird. It's like they all, it's like, you know, aliens incorporated their bodies on some of those plays. It's like, it's (laughs) like, you don't know what they're doing. You know, you watch replays and a guy like Josh Langford, um, who's always, I mean, who's always out there doing the right things is not hustling back on defense is making dumb fouls. It's um, it, it was one of the stranger games that I've, I've watched in Michigan State team play. Yeah. And, and I mean, the, this, this happens with Michigan state from time to time, they'll lose a puzzling game and then they'll come back uh, on a game like Saturday and they just look amazing. Right. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm sure it's been a spirited week of practice. Yeah, and, and they, they don't um, – uh, obviously Christmas break, uh, nobody's going home, so and – and finals are over. And this is 
Um, this is Tom Izzo's Christmas too, because he gets to run them basically as much as he wants. Uh, when, when classes are in session, there's limits as far as practice time and time. Um, when there's not classes in session, he can do whatever he wants. So they might be going two, three hours today. We just had our, our interviews pushed back by an hour today. So if that, uh, that gives you an indication of what's going on at the Breslin, um, <laughs> Uh, I, 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 yes, it would, it would not be fun, but yeah, it, it, I, I, I'm going to be very interested to see how they come out on, on Friday. They're running UCLA's for an extra hour and then <laughs> Herb Brooks is out there going again, again. <laughs> no, uh, we did get a couple basketball questions before we transition to the football movement. Uh, was Sunday's loss to Northwestern a simple case of taking them for granted or is there more negative takeaways from this loss? Kind of what we were just uh, talking about. I, I need to see more data points before I start talking about a trend. Um, so and until I see some of the same things on Friday, I'm willing to say that this was just a bad night for everybody um, involved. And and I, I think if I can explain it any way, I mean, some of those guys, I think, hit, missed a couple shots first. And this is what you always want to avoid if you're a coach, right? You want to avoid having missed shots lead to poor defense and not concentrating on that end. So that that's maybe the closest I can come to an explanation is um, guys like Rocket Watts, um, you know, not hitting on the offensive end. I could see him on the bench. I was in the building. I mean, he was clearly frustrated. So maybe there was some of that going on. But, um, you know, that's one game out of six or seven or how many they played now. Um, I, I think that they'll, they'll probably snap out of it. Yeah, I mean, that's the safe bet. They're, that's usually how, what happens under Izzo. They'll take their lumps and, and usually learn from it. So uh, we're going to find out real quick uh, on Christmas Day uh, while we're opening presents, uh, at least those of us that like to sleep in. Kyle, you'll probably be up at like 6 a.m. But uh, <laughs> anyways, <Probably>. let's, <laughs> let's, uh, let's move on to football before we get into the Wisconsin game a little bit later. We'll bring in Matt here. Um, so Matt, obviously we, we talked last week, a lot of football movement, a lot of stuff between players. And of course, the second we hopped off the pod, uh, we had even more player movement and that's probably going to be the case, uh, this, this season and this off season. Um, so we had players transfer in transfer out. What's, uh, sort of been sticking out to you since we talked last. No, I'm just the overall theme that, um, (laughs) this roster is going to look a lot different than, uh, in the, uh, in the spring and the fall than it, than it did this year. Um, and Mel had said that it said as much. So, yeah, I mean, since last Thursday when we recorded, we've now had, uh, what, six more guys hit the portal for Michigan state. Uh, the top names being Devonte Dobbs and Rocky Lombardi, obviously, um, Michigan state's added a couple of guys from the portal. They got commitments from Harold Joyner, uh, running back from Auburn and Jarrett Horst and, uh, offensive lineman, probably a tackle from Arkansas state. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's <laughs> this it, when you were we were waiting, or I guess I should say I was waiting, and, uh, and others were. I've, I've been waiting to see this 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 overhaul, and it's you know it's 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 kicked in, and, and I think Friday was the indication where they had four guys hit the portal on Friday, including Rocky, including Devontae Dobbs. Um, that was kind of the sign. All right, this is now the start official start of the off season, and we're going to see a lot of guys coming in, leaving, and and more guys uh, coming in. So. Um, interesting. Um, Lombardi stands out because, you know, he's this quarterback that's always going to stand out. And when you bring in a graduate transfer like Anthony Russo, that is a very telling um, state. Well, that's a, you know, it's clear Mel saying we, we think we need to go in a different direction. So um, you bring in a, you know, a veteran, he's an instantly the most experienced quarterback in the room and it pretty much pits uh, Russo against Peyton Thorne for the starting job in 2021 and Rocky, you know, if he wants to play, you can see that he's probably third on the list. And uh, it's best to look elsewhere. 
Devontae Dobbs stands out just because, you know, his star ranking. He was one of the top recruits in the nation uh, a couple of years ago. Um, and he never even dressed for a game this year. So <laughs> that tells me he wasn't, it wasn't, he wasn't cutting in at practice. Um, we asked Chris, uh, Chris Kapilovic about, I asked him about it uh, when we, December 1st, him and uh, Luke Campbell. And he said, well, basically alluded injuries or improvement. So, yeah, I mean, I think it'll tell you that he just wasn't getting it done in practice and, so it's time to go somewhere else. Yeah. And then uh, he and uh, Julian Barnett both heading to Memphis. Uh, pretty solid pickups mm-hmm. there for Memphis in the AAC, which has really emerged as a solid program in the last few years. Uh, Harold Joyner, obviously a big get. I mean, he was a, a top 150 kid, committed to Auburn, four-star. Uh, didn't really settle in there. Um, but, um, you know, he, he committed uh, the night before. It was almost simultaneous when he committed and then Audrick Eston said, I'm, I'm committing tomorrow, and the writing was pretty much on the wall at that point that he was not going to be coming to Michigan State and instead yeah. going to Notre Dame. But Harold yeah, Joyner's well, an exciting pickup. It's interesting because, you know, the guy was uh, – I think he was ranked the number five running back in his class. He's six foot four, which is pretty tall for a running back. Uh, but it just, it just hasn't worked out at, at Auburn. He's, you know, his production has been very limited. Um, 17 games, 15 carries, 103 yards six catches for 128 yards. That's, I mean, that's pretty small sample size, but uh, obviously they see something in them. So it'll be an interesting addition to the backfield. And I wouldn't be surprised to see if there's um, another departure um, from that group with, with what they got, um, with the working from, from this year and, and, you know, bringing in at least one running back in the 2021 class. So yeah, it's, <laughs> I don't know what else to say other than it's going to be interesting to see, you know, keep saying this and be interesting to see all the guys that are coming and going uh, as this roster is, uh, is overhauled. And, and, you know, it's fair, you know, people are going to continue to look at this and like point out of being alarmed or whatever, but this stuff would have happened nine months ago, you know, in a normal year, eight months ago, whatever you want to say, they, you know, they guys would have figured out if they had spring practice, guys would have figured out where they stood and gone, you know, and been like, all right, well, I don't see a future for me here. I'm going to look elsewhere. But with no spring practice and everybody at home and with, you know, all the complications of this year that everything was delayed. And I mean, it's actually quite remarkable that Mel went until it was November 16th before a guy entered the portal, which is kind of crazy. So um, it's kind of just a delayed. uh, Yeah. I mean, this is what happens at every program every year. And now, I mean, especially with a new coaching staff, it's just, you know, it's been hit on pause. Well, it didn't seem like it happened at Michigan State. Like, us fans are like, wow, this transfer portal thing, this is fun. Like, it's like free agency. Like, I didn't know you were actually allowed to acquire players from the transfer portal. M- Michigan State basketball fans still haven't discovered the portal yet. <laughs> hey, yeah. Joey Hauser. Joey Hauser. Hey, I should say they haven't anybody. Uh, does Aaron Harris no, ring a bell there, Kyle? <laughs> like, come on. What do you mean? No, Michigan has not had any basketball transfer since 2016. Oh, you mean like players leaving? Yeah, yeah. players leaving. Okay, but anyway, yeah. carry on with football. <laughs> Did you have any thoughts on the go- comings and goings? No, just that uh, it's kind of same thing that Matt said is that, you know, I, I was curious um, how real this was after Mel Tucker alluded to it or wh- how long it would take. And it was it was not subtle and did not take long. Uh, it, it was right in your face there. Yeah. It's exciting from a fan standpoint. I mean, we fans, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that there needs to be a talent upgrade on the roster. Mel is not going to come out and say the players on his roster suck, but he's pretty clearly saying 
listen, guys, if you want a spot on this team, you need to be all in or you need to leave. And if you are going to stay, then you're going to have to battle for your spot because we're going to bring guys in. Um, this is going to be an open competition at almost every position um, heading into next year. And sort of along those lines, we, we did get some questions um, uh, along those lines, Matt. Uh, one says, uh, what areas of need still need to be addressed either via recruiting and or the portal? Um, this person also notes that linebacker uh, appears to be the biggest area of need. Um, yeah, so – I would start with the secondary um, just because of the movement recently. You have uh, Shakur Brown, who's your top corner this year. He's headed into the draft. Um, Chris Jackson, was a, he started two games as a corner. Um, he, Mel had said, uh, I can't remember if we talked about this before, but Mel had said last week he's not a part of the team anymore um, and his future would be determined. So I don't know if you're going to have him. Um, you got Julian Barnett in the portal, Davion Williams in the portal. Uh, you're, all of a sudden, <laughs> you're you're getting pretty thin in the in the back end there, especially a cornerback um, or nickel. So I, I wouldn't, you know, they defensive back was obviously a focus of this recruiting class. I think five guys they signed a D, as DBs. So, but I would not be surprised at all to see them uh, look in that direction in the portal, try and bring in a veteran guy. Um, so that would be uh, one key spot. Uh, linebacker is obviously the other one, as the question alludes to, because Antoine Simmons and no, Harvey, we're basically your two linebackers this year. Chase Klein played um, as the only guy getting significant steps outside those two starters. So, uh, yeah, and again, the portal, Marcel Lewis, Luke Fulton, Charles Willickus, Jess Lord Botang are all in the portal. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, I would say that, you you know, you, you they, the four-star kid, they, got, they flipped from uh, USC coming in. Ma'a, Na'a. Not a Teote um, is definitely one you're going to look to maybe be able to contribute as a true freshman. And then his brother uh -huh. uh, is at USC. He's a former five-star kid. He's in the portal. He's a guy who has ties, obviously, with his brother going there. Um, he played at Bishop Gorman with two Michigan State players, uh, Jalen Naylor and um, Jacob Asaya. Um, so there's obvious ties there and the opportunity for early playing time it would, or immediate playing time, I should say. So I think that's a guy you definitely want to keep an eye on. Not that it's uh, a guarantee by any stretch he's coming to Michigan State. But yeah, linebacker, secondary. Jeez, um, I mean, I can go on and on. Offensive line always needs to get better. <laughs> the defensive ends were Michigan State had very limited uh, pass uh, 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 sack production this year. Uh, pass rush fell off. So, I mean, I can go up and down the list. So, I mean, those are the two. I mean, obviously, the, the message boards are, are a buzz with rumors these days of, of all the people in the transfer portal. The two main ones I'm seeing are, yes, the, the kid from USC's brother. And also just today, uh, Drew Jordan is in the transfer portal from Duke. He's a former four-star defensive yeah, I end. saw that. Yeah. So, yep, I mean. I the, saw that. And, they, again. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Uh I didn't know if my internet had lost me on. Anyways, yeah, a defensive end is obvious need. We, you know, Jacob Panasuk is a senior, but he's got, like everyone else, the extra year of eligibility that he can take. He hinted on Twitter in a cryptic way that he's coming back next year. So that appears to be the case, but he wasn't extremely productive this year. Drew Beasley was actually more productive, but he's a fifth-year senior. And, you know, when we asked him about if he'll come back or not, I mean, he basically said he'll still have to talk to the coaches. There's no indication he's coming back, but – you know, Michael Fletcher's a guy I thought that improved as the season went on. Physically, he's got the length, big guy. 
Um, so I think you want to see more of him, but uh, yeah, I mean, the pass rush has to get better than, than it was this year. Um, lowest production since 2016 when there was basically zero production pass rush. It, it's Kyle will remember that. He was covering it then. <laughs> uh, Malik McDowell, yes, did not have a great year that year. Oh, man. One of the highest rated recruits to ever come to Michigan State. And obviously we know what happened with his pro career. Unfortunate situation with Malik McDowell. We did get one other football question, uh, which I think is a pretty good one. I was also wondering the same thing. Why wouldn't Mel Tucker accept a bowl bid if for no other reason to get those 15 extra practices, not to mention more exposure for the program to be on national TV? Uh, two parts to that. Um, one, this is not the normal year. So that thought, you know, Mark always would talk about it. Other coaches, really important to get all those practices. Look at the calendar. This is not early December when bull bids are coming out like they usually are. Michigan State would be playing like, what, in Tomorrow. 15 minutes right now? I mean, <laughs> yeah. like you're not, getting, you're not getting weeks of practices. They probably get a couple of practices and that's it. And then on top of that, the, one, of the benef- the, one of the biggest perks of the bowl is the experience for the kids. You go to a, hopefully a warm climate or in the case of last year, uh, you know, a big city, something unique that they've, these guys have never been to before, maybe never would go to, you're not, you're not getting that this year. You're not going to be doing this stuff. You're not ringing the bell at the stock exchange or whatever, whatever crap I've been around to in the last few years. I mean, it's fun for the guy. Go to the San Diego Zoo. That's great. But you're not going to get to do that in a year like this. So you'd be flying in the night before, maybe do a walkthrough, play the game and go home. And, and you don't get all the extra practice. So all the normal stuff, stuff is eliminated and then the other thing is mel on tuesday said he would love to play in a bowl game on sunday michigan state officially declined that tells you (laughs) that was not his decision so you either have the administration saying we're done or more likely the players saying all right we're good and that's the right you know you know look i'd be fine if they played in a bowl that's whatever but i mean these kids have been on campus since june They've been told to alter their daily lives, not do anything, you know, behavior modification. Don't, you know, maintain our bubble in daily antigen testing since September 30th. Let them go home and see their family for Christmas. I mean, come on. Just, I I get it. You know, I think that's the smart move. And that's certainly what appears to be the case. This wasn't Mel saying the players begging to play in a bowl game and Mel saying, no, 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 we're good. I'm done coaching for this year. No, I mean, it's not the case. Did you have something, Kyle? I was just going to point out if Matt didn't, and he did it there at the end, that most of these programs that have declined have said that the players voted on it, and Michigan State didn't. Michigan State didn't say their reasoning, um, but uh, I would, would not be surprised at all if players or the Eagles Council or whoever um, said, I think we'll pass this year. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't feel like a normal bowl season. I was, I was sitting here uh, yesterday or Monday, and I'm like just working and doing stuff and looking at the college hoop schedule like I usually do. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, wait, what? There's a bowl game today? They just like announced them yesterday. Like it was like, what? There's a game at two thirty? Like on a Monday? Like this is caught, catching me so off guard. It feels everything just feels bizarre this year. Yeah, and I mean that's just the case. And you know, what, what do you really? I mean, obviously they need to coach this team up more. But what are you really going to benefit? How much can you really benefit from playing in another game, if the, especially if the players apparently don't want to? And, I mean, Friday made it clear, it seemed like. You know, Mel on his radio show on Thursday, all he kept talking about was the out-of-season program. He never once mentioned a bowl game. And that was – it was kind of clear to me on Thursday night, um, not that we could ask him the question directly, um, that their season was done. Um, and then Friday when you see a handful – you know, four guys going to the portal – 
that seemed to be the indication that this is they're they're done. This is now officially the off season. It just took till Sunday for them to make it official. Yeah, I think a lot of players are just sort of burned out from, you know, trying to focus in and having games canceled and all the testing and all the bubbles and just it's been a trying season, I think, for for everyone, but especially these student athletes who have been isolated and essentially treated as professional athletes and getting tested just as many as front as much as frontline workers. I mean, that can be trying mentally. So uh, it makes sense to give them a break. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, these. I think the the fact that Michigan State never had to shut down once during the season after it started is an accomplishment on mm-hmm. of its own. Half the Big Ten had to do that. So Mel, you know, the fact that he every almost every press conference during the week, post game, whenever, radio show thanked every time, thanking the the health staff and 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 everybody for for what the work they've done to keep them on the field. Whatever they did, whatever they preached, like other programs, I'm sure uh, what they did at Michigan State worked because they uh, they kept the team ready to play. So, and that's not easy, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a credit to Mel Tucker and running a tight ship. There's probably a little bit of luck in there too, um, yeah. but uh, <laughs> it's <Yeah>. still <laughs> impressive. Um, so, so you mentioned uh, sending the kids home for the holidays. Let's transition back to basketball here. We got a big game on uh, Friday at noon, Michigan State in Wisconsin from the Breslin Center. Uh, there's actually a full day of Christmas Day basketball games. And I, uh, Kyle, I was curious your thoughts. I, I think we've sort of briefly touched on this before, but how do you feel about the Big Ten playing games on Christmas Day? Um, you know, I think it makes sense as a one-year thing. Um, I, I would hope for, for the players' sake that it, that it is a one-year thing during the pandemic. But, you know, it doesn't make sense for them to go home. Thomas has talked about this a little bit. I mean, you can go home for a day or two and then come back and quarantine for seven or ten days or whatever it is and, and cancel games to do that. I don't think it makes sense. So um, I think if you're going to be there anyway, you're going to be sitting around um, and the players are okay with it. And, and if they could honestly have a vote and a say, and this is what they actually want to do, then sure. You know, and I think it's, it's obviously great for fans. If you're not a huge NBA guy, um, it's something to sit around and watch on Christmas day. Yep. I see Brandon raising his hand there. Um, so I think, I think it makes sense. Um, I hope the ratings aren't so big that some executives uh, get wide eyed and, and try to do it. Cause in a normal year, you want the kids to be able to go home but this is not a normal year. And if they're going to be sitting around anyway, I, I do think it's better for them to be playing than, than sitting around. Yeah. I mean, I said, I said, if they can't be with their normal families, they might as well be with their basketball families. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's probably the best place to be. And um, yeah, I mean, what, what are they going to do otherwise? You know, they might as well lace it up and, and get after it. So I think it, I think it makes sense. Uh, I mean, it's not something I want to see happen regularly. Obviously we want kids mm-hmm. to be able to go home and see their families. But uh, as we've seen in 2020, it is an extraordinary year. Um, things are, are, everything's different this year. I mean, anything that we knew as a norm, I mean, they're moving the Rose Bowl to, to, to <laughs> Dallas. Like, are they still going to call it the Rose Bowl? I don't know. I think it's called the Rose Bowl at Jerry World. I have no <laughs> idea. Like, and nothing is normal this year. So I guess we shouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Um, but uh, anyways, yeah, let's preview the game a little bit here. Nebraska is 7-1 uh, and one coming into this game. Their one loss oh, was – sorry, Wisconsin, what? you mean. Oh, what did I say Nebraska? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Wisconsin just beat Nebraska. That's right. Yeah. Uh, 67 hey, They both have red. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so much red in the Big Ten. I, w- I was <laughs> complaining about there being too much blue in the Big East. 
the other day. And no, they are. Yeah, I agree with that. They're all blue. over. Yeah. It's like every game you watch blue versus white, (laughs) blue versus white, black versus white. The big 10 has a lot of red. So I guess we, we need to, you know, it's like they already had too much red and then they added Rutgers and Maryland. So you know, (laughs) it's like, um, but, but Michigan state is green and there's no green in the big East. So at least they kind of break it up. Uh, um, But uh, anyways, yeah, big game. Nebraska uh, in, in Wisconsin, I watched that game. It took Wisconsin a long time to get going in that game. I think they had like five points with like eight minutes left in the half. Uh, Nebraska was doing a good job getting in the passing lanes, and also there was just some missed shots from Wisconsin. But this is a veteran basketball team. I mean, they have – it's senior laden. I think they have two 24-year-olds on the team. Like, these guys could be <laughs> – these guys could be, like, uh, the Kentucky starting lineup's fathers. Uh, over, <laughs> you know, like, like what, what, what are you looking for in this game? It's obviously going to be a tough test for Michigan State. Yeah, I was going to say, if you watched Wisconsin last year, you know Wisconsin this year. These guys seem like they've all been there forever. Um, you know, Demetri Trice and Brad Davison in the backcourt um, – and I, I think, for my money, the best front court duo in the Big Ten um, and yeah. Reavers and Potter. I really like those dudes um, and how they play together. But Reavers I has mean, been there since 2007. I'm yeah, just- yeah, he's been there forever. And then Micah Potter, I mean, he transferred, but then he was – I mean, he's been in the Big Ten forever. He was at Ohio State. So, um, I mean, it's typical Wisconsin. I mean, they, don't, they obviously don't change a whole lot. They're going to play really good defense. They just held – before that Nebraska game, they held Louisville to 48 points. Um, which is pretty impressive. I think Louisville was coming off of a COVID break, so that might have had something to do with it. They were missing their best player, too. They were, but but still, uh, 48 points against uh, an ACC team is pretty darn good, and they're third in Ken Palm in defense. So, you know, they're going to do what they do. They're going to slow it down, um, limited possessions, play really strong defense on you, um, and they got guys that have scored enough. I mean, they had the one hiccup versus Marquette, but but they've looked pretty good, and they're not going to make a lot of mistakes. Um, they're not going to beat themselves. So Michigan State, um, it, it's going to be a tough test. I mean, they, I'm sure they would like a little bit easier um, way back into this after that Northwestern loss, but um, they're going to need to play a heck of a lot better than they did in Evanston the other day to win this game. The Big Ten already tried to give them the favor. I mean, they opened <laughs> up against Northwestern. They, so, they do that every year, by the way, every <laughs> single year. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, they get the benefit of the schedule in basketball, that's for sure. I mean, this this game has is really interesting to me. I don't know if it's going to be the most aesthetically pleasing because, you know, theoretically of two really good defensive teams. It's always mm-hmm. a slugfest when Michigan State and Wisconsin play. A couple of keys for me. I mean, Michigan State, they need to get out in transition. I mean, that, that's nice. been a staple for Tom Izzo all throughout the years, obviously. Make or miss. They didn't get out in transition much against Northwestern because they couldn't get stops. and That's a big part of it. Um, but, but they couldn't get out and run. We know Wisconsin's going to D them up. But you have to think that Michigan State has the advantage athletically. When can you see that the most? When they're out running. So, I mean, I I really would like to see Michigan State get up and down in this game. It's going to be hard. I mean, Wisconsin's. I mean, Wisconsin's just going to get back on everything. Um, uh, but but that, that that's been surprising to me because Rocket Watts. I mean, we've we've all questioned how he would transition to point guard. And I think overall the other night, aside, it hasn't been going well. But the one thing you figured he could do is push the ball, right? He's so quick. Um, he's good with the ball. Maybe he doesn't see everything quite that Cassius Winston did, but he can at least get it out there. But that hasn't been consistently happening to me, and that's been a little surprising. Yeah. You know what you're going to get with Wisconsin. I mean, they'll post up all five right. guys. I was watching the game against Nebraska. Um, I mean, M- Michael Potter and Nate Reavers were getting position right under the basket. And when you and the, and the guards were feeding them. So many teams. I watch these young teams now, Duke, Kentucky, um, some of the other young teams out there. 
these guards refuse to feed the post when the guys are sitting there wide open. I mean, I was watching West Virginia, Kansas last night. West Virginia's main advantage against Kansas is down low with Culver and Sheebway. Their, their guards won't throw them the ball. Like, I don't right. understand that. You know Wisconsin's going to try and they'll post up their guards. They'll post up their bigs. Um, Michigan State's big men are going to have to be ready because Wisconsin will feed the, feed the post. And, and one of the big frustrations for the coaching staff and after the last couple of games, those big men were letting opposing big men post up like right under the hoop. You know, you had like Xavier Tillman last year. I mean, you had to really fight to get a good post position against him. He made life difficult. And I think, I think uh, Tommy Joe and his staff have been frustrated that some of these big men have kind of let opposing big men just kind of post up wherever they want to. And they end up getting those feeds right under the hoop. And, and it's with the very high percentage shots. And if, if Oakland's doing that and, and some of these other mid-majors that came in are doing that, you can bet Wisconsin is uh, um, going to be licking their chops to, to send those dudes right there in the post and get some high percentage shots. So it's, yeah, if, if Joey Hauser and whoever's out there at the five, the, the, the five carousel, can't push those guys around a little bit and, and, um, and make life difficult for them, it's, it, they're going to they're gonna eat them up at Carson Center. Uh, what, <clears throat> what percentage chance would you give it that we're going to see a different starting lineup this game? I know a lot of people have been clamoring for a different five to get in there. Some people are like, let's just go small ball and play Hall and Kithier up front. I don't, or Hall and Hauser up front. I don't think you can do that versus Wisconsin, but maybe some other teams. I mean, we know Tom likes to shake up the lineup, especially after poor performances. I mean, uh, do you think we might yeah. see shifting? I agree. He usually does have to poor performances, but I don't see an obvious move here, you know, because it's like, yeah, Aaron Henry struggled. I don't think you, you know, you're not sitting him. Um, he's not going to sit rocket. He's not going to yo-yo rocket watch. I don't think, I think he wants him to have confidence. I feel like he has, he has to. Um, so, I mean, there's not, I mean, I know everyone would love to see a change at center, but like we talked about earlier, Kithier, I don't think was really the problem. I mean, he didn't score a lot, but I don't think he was, he played terribly. He, he was um, better in his role than Henry Watts or Langford or Hauser were. Right. And, and if you can, and if you can, you know, realize that's his role, he did fine in it. And I, would it shock me still if they make a different move and just say, Hey, for matchups, you know, the big dude, we need a bigger dude in there. That wouldn't shock me. So I, I would put it at a coin flip, but um, a lot of times before there's a lineup change, we all kind of know what it's going to be. And, and I can't, there's no obvious one to me. Maybe there is to you. I don't see an obvious lineup change to me. We'll find out. It's at noon on uh, Christmas Day. I think I believe the game's on Fox. It kicks off a quadruple header of Big Ten action on Christmas Day, which is which is pretty fun. I mean, that's you know, all things considered, you know, I'm I'm pretty excited for for a full day of Big Ten hoops. Um, it's obviously we've seen a, a really deep, fantastic conference this year. So uh, big time matchups occurring all over the place, pretty much on a daily basis. Um, and we have daytime hoops today. There's like a slew of games tipping at three between major conference teams i think creighton and xavier ucla oregon i'm like i am all about this daytime <laughs> basketball like there last night there was way too many games on at seven o'clock we need we need to space this out well you got to find silver covert linings and that's a serious silver covert silver lining to me you know yeah. all these daytime hoops games it's been great for sure. um, Matt, do you want to break a, break a little uh, uh, transfer portal football news here well i haven't got it confirmed i i got it confirmed so, uh, okay well yeah so jude pedroso uh, long snapper. Uh, they're starting long snappers in the portals. That's because they picked up a five-star long snapper, guys. Yeah. Mel so. is making moves, making moves. The <laughs> long yeah. snapper. So, I, I felt like a jerk because uh, the, the long snapper they signed last week, Hank uh, Pepper, 
I remember that right out of Arizona, I messaged him at, right after it was announced. I'm like, Hey, you're going to be uh, you know, walk on. He's like, no, full scholarship. And I was like, Hey, sorry. And no disrespect. It's just most times if you're, you know, long snappers arrive as, as walk-ons and have to earn that spot. But uh, he's a unique uh, long snapper. Cause he was also uh, quite the linebacker. Um, mm-hmm. And somebody messaged me and watched him. So they live in Chandler, Arizona, watch a kid play and was raving about him. So uh, interesting addition. Hank Pepper, fantastic name. <laughs> yep. Long snapper you, baby. That's what we got here going on right now. So oh, I did see like there was like maybe some group of five teams sniffing him as a linebacker. I mean, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I'll have to get him on the phone. For sure. Um, there was something else I was going to say, but I forgot. Any, any, uh, any other grievances you guys got? Have you, you've, I've given you a little time to think about it. So we got noon games. Uh, anything else? uh uh, not really bad parking or stadiums walking two miles who makes you park the farthest away to the stadium what's your um wisconsin sucks it's (laughs) it's a long haul and i've only been there once um but it was quite the walk and it was just it was just cold and crappy out uh northwestern's pretty bad uh you gotta park way down the street and there's come on it's northwestern you can fill the you can give us a spot in the lot next to it um yeah, I don't know. Those are the two that stand out off the top of my head. All right. Well, uh, happy holidays, fellas. It's good talking to you. Have a good you Christmas. Too. Hope you get everything you asked for under the tree. <laughs> uh, so um, I, I've got too many presents under my tree. So <laughs> I went a little crazy this year. Uh, but happy holidays to everyone out there. Um, hope you enjoy the break. Guys, uh, thanks, thanks again for your insight. We appreciate it. Uh, we will be back next week, uh, I believe. Um, so look out for that. Again, please rate and review the podcast if you can. Share it with a fellow Spartan. We would love to get in touch with you and send us those questions. Uh, we, we like to answer those and uh, give it a little, bit, a little bit more of a personal touch. So uh, for Kyle and Matt, I'm Brandon Champion. Uh, Merry Christmas, everyone. Thanks for listening. And go Green.